All right. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome back to Forever Young. I'm Dr. John Lakey. And I'm Dr. Payman Daniel Poor. So today, I think, uh, uh, Dr. Daniel Poor, you and I can both agree that this is an exciting topic and very relevant uh, in today's society. That's really important. And obviously, these are for medical and non-medical reasons. Uh, and this is dark spots, hyperpigmentation, and melasma, which can be extremely frustrating. So today, we're going to talk about you know what to look for, the different types of treatments, and uh, to see how you can eliminate those annoying uh, pigmented spots or melasma. And you know, the interesting part about it is some of the stuff is very easy to treat and easy to diagnose, and some of the stuff is very, very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and multiple different types of practitioners can treat these various problems. As plastic surgeons, you know, obviously we take care of everything from skin below, um, but dermatologists are also experts at this. And sometimes your family practitioners or even internal medicine doctors have some education in this where they can help you. But it is very difficult. And the one thing you know, that I like to stress is everyone should get a skin, a full body skin evaluation by a board certified dermatologist once a year, Mm -hmm. because that's the way you can avoid finding something too late that can actually be a big problem. Yeah. Usually the good part about a dermatologist, many of them have these special cameras where it's essentially a photo lens that will take pictures of the spots that you have and then follow their progress on an annual basis. So that way, you know if something changes or evolves or uh, gets larger or causes you issues comparatively on an annual basis. Very rare that something is going to rapidly grow, but uh, you know, to the point where it has to be taken care of within that year. And if that does, obviously, we're going to teach you some things to look for. Uh, and uh, talk about potential treatments. Absolutely. And we're going to lightly kind of touch on types of skin cancer, but we'll talk about those in much more detail on a different podcast. Mm -hmm. But each dark spot has its, obviously you always have that concern, oh my God, is this cancerous? Mm -hmm. And there's simple ways for you just at home to look at a mole or or a lesion on your, your body and you can actually say, hey, this is something I should worry about or no, it's no big deal. And we'll kind of go over that and then break it down on how to treat dark spots, how to treat melasma, hyperpigmentation, and the whole gamut. Perfect. So listen, we'll, we'll you know, start off the conversation. I, I think that all of us have been there, self-included, where I look at something and you say, I don't know that I have seen that before. You probably have and glanced over it, but at some point, um, for those of you who have had a spot or pigmented issue that's been there since birth or for a long time, the likelihood of that changing into a cancerous lesion is extremely low, depending on certain characteristics. Absolutely. Um, For something that pops up out of the blue, it's really due to sun exposure over a period of time. And so, um, you know, for a freckle or something like that that pops up on a five-year-old, it's not uh, something that we have to be concerned with. But there are some basics that we can go over. And so let's stratify this into non-cancerous versus cancerous. Cancerous, we'll kind of talk about just some of the guidelines to look for, the basics. And if anything that you find on your face or body falls under this category, go check it out. Otherwise, you can rest assured that it's likely uh, going to be a benign pigmented issue. Absolutely. And, and one thing that you really should be aware of is family history. 
um, along with most cancers, family history really does run with the really bad types of skin cancer, which we like to call melanoma. If you have that in your family, then it's even more important to be really kind of just do do these skin checks regularly. Make sure they you look at everywhere. I mean, again, I like to say the same thing. Bob Marley died of a of a of a melanoma on his toe that didn't get caught, so nobody saw it, and we lost one of the greatest artists of all time oh, because of definitely. something that could have been treated. So, again, it is it's not the most common area to have melanoma, but we see it. We even see it under the nails. So you need to have a proper practitioner, dermatologist, board certified, plastic surgeon, whoever you like to go to. I prefer you do your skin checks with a derm because that they have those cameras that Dr. Mm-hmm. Lakey's talking about. But again, you don't want to miss these little things that can easily be treated. So let's just break it down on what to look for and what should be concerning and what shouldn't. All right, we're going to make it really simple for you. Everybody remembers their ABCs. Well, we're just going to add D and E. So A, B, C, D, E. A, if a spot looks very asymmetric, something that you may be concerned with. B, if we look at border irregularity, most pigmented spots that you look at, even age spots, they tend to have a rounder surface or ovoid. And if something looks very irregular, then obviously you have to think that there is something that does not care about borders. It will travel through whatever skin tissue uh, or tissue it can. C, look at the color, changing color. If something either gains or loses pigmentation, then it's something that you just want to make sure is nothing. You want to get it checked out. And D, diameter greater than six millimeters. So what is that? Maybe it's like a pencil eraser. Uh, you know, you take a look. If it's getting, it slowly grows larger than that, then sometimes we uh, get a little concerned. Again, 90% of these things are still going to be benign, but these are uh, little guidelines. And E, evolving. When we see something that is evolving from a darkened to flat to raised to crusted, something like that, that's when we got to check it out. So anything that you scratch, it bleeds, continually doesn't heal. These are all things that we look for and they can be different types. We don't have to necessarily have melanoma. When you get older, you can get, you know, unless you're, you have a syndrome or something like that, it's usually more common when you're older to develop squamous cell cancers or basal cell cancers, which are much more easily treatable and have a better prognosis than melanoma. So again, a, B, C, D, E, we kind of talk about those things. We'll put those aside. Yeah, as Dr. Danipore said, go ahead and get checked out if it falls under those five letters. Otherwise, we can start talking about some uh, non-cancerous things and, uh, and you know benign things that we can look for and some of their treatments. And again, the reason we stress that this is done early, if you catch something like any cancer, at a very early stage, the treatment's a simple thing. Mm-hmm. But the bigger it gets, the harder it is. And imagine if you have a tiny little pigmented lesion that ends up being, let's say, a melanoma. The borders that you need are much smaller than a bigger lesion that you literally have to take out a big area. So mm-hmm. remember, it, you think, oh, it's easy. I'll just cut it out. I'll be fine. If it's caught early, easy. If it's not, it could be a big problem. And again, we'll talk about 
real skin cancers and their treatments and and what you should look for in another podcast in much more detail. So let's just move on. And definitely. And one last comment, you know, in that ABCDE, if it hits one of those categories, definitely look for it. Because remember, some of the melanomas, as you know, they can be like an iceberg. You see just the tip of it and it's, de- you know, it goes deeper. And so those tend to be a little more aggressive. So again, A, B, C, D, E, we talked about asymmetry, border irregularity, color change, the diameter greater than six millimeters, and evolving. And one thing you said that actually stood out is crusting and bleeding. This is is something that that I've seen in... in you know, normally much older individuals, but sometimes you can see them in younger people that love the sun. If you've got a little area that doesn't heal, go see a doctor Mm -hmm. because the chances are there may be an underlying cancer that can easily be treated and you don't have to wait for it to be much bigger and a lot more deforming over time for the treatment. Definitely. Now on to the fun stuff. This is like for us, the pimple popper, uh, (laughs) because we get to zap some things and remove and laser and, uh, you know, shave. Sometimes we even have to cut them out, but uh, we like to use some of the newer modalities. And so, you know, there are three different categories of benign pigmented lesions. So lentigenes, Uh, This is an increase in pigmentation in normal keratinocytes. Those are the cells inside skin. Uh, This is where melanin production comes in, and we're not going to get too detailed into it. But uh, And melanin is just literally, for those of you that don't know, it's what basically causes the dark color in our body, whether it's our hair or it's whether it's our moles. That's that's that is the basically the cell. A melanocyte causes melanin that then causes this darker color. And the second one, freckles, otherwise known as ephalides or ephalides, and nevi, those are nests of melanotic cells. And that's where you get those darker little round lesions uh, that occur over time. And so- Mostly a mole. So if you want to look really cool, just call it a mole and nevi, <laughs> and you're just being super intelligent. Mm, I love it. This is Dr. John Lakey at Forever Young. Hope you're enjoying the show. Dr. Daniel Poor and I will be back after a quick break. So listen, obviously we talk about skin checks annually. If there's any type of, uh, you know, suspicious area, we biopsy it. Otherwise, there are some topical creams. So what's our first go-to? We kind of look at the different, uh, you know, an algorithm. On Obviously, we don't run to cut everything out right away because we don't want to replace things with scars. We save that as the last-ditch option um, just because if we can remove something and make it look better without a scar, obviously, we choose that first. So there are multiple different options, and sometimes... There is no single treatment that can get rid of every lesion. And so the goal is we actually have to try to test an experiment. Now, we can take a look at certain uh, issues and say, all right, I think this is going to work better than others. But maybe you can list, start listing some of the, the things, some of our go-tos on, on what we would st- start with. Sure. Now, it all depends on on what we're talking about. So if you come in and you've got a raised mole, let's say you've got a raised mole that you don't like. Every time you put your pants on, it catches on or something like that. Well, that's a simple one. All you can do is just shave it. So just clip it at the base so you're not cutting out actual skin or 
the deeper layer of the skin, which is called the dermis, and you don't have to stitch it up. And the beauty of it is it'll just grow right back, what we call re-epithelialization. The skin will grow back most of the time without a scar. The only downside with that is that sometimes when you do these, there, there's a nest of cells underneath that that may grow back. How often does that happen? I don't know, who knows, 30 to 50%, but it will be gone for a while. We've done this on people's lips and on their faces because they don't like the way a raised mole looks or on the tip of their nose. So imagine if you have to cut it out and stitch it up, it leaves a scar. But if you just shave it, it's gone. So that is one option for raised lesions. Mm -hmm. These are not lesions that are literally look like they're stamped onto your skin. These are raised moles, very easy to get rid of. We do it with um, Dermablade, which has been something very cool because it has contours and you can kind of shape it the way you want to go. That's one option. The other option, and we've recently started using this, uh, it is liquid nitric oxide. And so it's called the cryoprobe. And what we do is we essentially, and it may require a series of treatments, but every two weeks, what we do is we freeze the area. It's relatively comfortable. It just cools down a little bit. Uh, and then some people can develop a blister or uh, a little ulcer, but it slowly shrinks in size. So if you can take something larger and make it smaller, obviously it's going to be easier to manage. So that's one of our options. And I can actually attest to that because I did it to myself. Mm -hmm. I had a lesion on my right leg, which is called a seborrheic keratosis or an age spot. I'm getting old. <laughs> um, and we tried it on it and it's completely gone. Mm -hmm. If you want to see the before and after, you can check on our Instagram. Um, I think it's on there. Yeah, it really was a remarkable result. But it's amazing. I mean, and it's not a hint of anything. You behind. can't see anything. And it's, and it's, in my opinion, a lot more comfortable than using any laser. Mm -hmm. um, and it also works on some of these, um, these, these kind of cystic lesions mm -hmm. where they look like a mole, but underneath there's a tiny little cyst. We call those inclusion cysts. Um, and they're impossible to remove without actually cutting out. So using technology like this by freezing it and having it involute, so it just kind of goes in, it's a great way to get rid of it without leaving a scar. So for now we move to flat lesions. So let's say there's a flat little nevus, it's darkened, uh, or uh, you, know, you, you just don't like where it is located. And, and sometimes, um, you know, we usually try topical creams. And you've first. already ruled out that it's not cancer. Definitely. And so you try topical creams first. And there are a multitude of products that are out there. And I'm sure everybody's heard of hydroquinone and some of the risks associated with that. I know it's been in the news lately because uh, it's banned. And, you know, some of these products, um, you know, they find in animal studies can cause a, you know, a rarely can cause a type of cancer. Um, you know, we haven't seen that here We've in the United States. We've been using it forever. Yeah, and so, uh, you know, we have to take that with a grain of salt. However, so we can also use something a little more natural, kojic acid, vitamin C, and a combination of these things. You know, many of our uh, topical skincare products that are uh, looking at brighteners, and so, you know, in our line, it happens to be the dark spot corrector, but there are multiple other lines. When you use a high concentrated vitamin C as a topical or serum or cream, it actually will reduce the amount of pigmentation that's formed. And so that can brighten the skin. So, you know, if you do have some darker areas, uh, you can always start with a topical product first. Then we start moving down the line for something that's going to force pigmentation to be eliminated. And that's where we use chemical peels, tricyclic acid, TCA peel, 
or Cosmoland, which happens to be one of our favorites, which really reduces a lot of uh, post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. So from, uh, you know, from treatments, from acne scarring, you know, all kinds of different things. And uh, there's the blue peel. There's the uh, the vi peel. These are all uh, different types of acids, whether it's TCA, lactic, kojic, you know, you, you mix a combination of these things, the skin slowly peels, and then underneath you have fresh skin. And for some people, it's as much of, of a reduction in uh, pigmentation as they want. And for some people, it's not. And the interesting part about treating pigment anywhere on the body, it's very complicated because each person actually responds very differently. So some modalities that work for one person is not necessarily going to work for another. And when we talk about melasma, which to me is the most difficult type of hyperpigmentation disorder, not two people will not really respond the same way to the same treatment. And that's where it gets really tricky. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, let's say we try the topicals, we try the chemical peels, it still doesn't work, then we can actually do some spot treatments. So if they're very isolated areas, that's when I would use, you know, uh, a an NDYAG laser. We have one that's very powerful, it's called the Pico 4, and there are two different wavelengths. And so we can either remove, you know, even like tattoo ink, uh, you know, we can re- remove darker areas. And if that doesn't work, we switch over the wavelength to a, what's called a 532 nanometer. And what it will do is it will roast that pigment. You know, you may develop a little bit of a blister and as it crusts and peels off, the pigmentation is uh, alleviated from underneath. And in all reality, for, for dark spots, it may be the most effective mm-hmm. treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, it may be it's a little bit more downtime, you get crusting, and it is a little tiny bit painful. But if you really want to go, I think it's by far the best way to get rid of some of these age spots. Mm -hmm. There is another option as well, which is an IPL that's been used forever and ever and ever for for dark spots. Um, And it may be easier to use for people with a little bit of a darker skin tone, Um, but it's a little more transient. It doesn't work as long. Sometimes the dark spots come back. Um, so these are the things that, you know, when you're getting these things done, remember some of them will go away, but some of them will may come back after six months, a year, maybe even two years. If you're back in the sun, the one thing we're going to stress real quick is no matter what treatment you do, sun exposure and sunscreen are the most important part of this aftercare regimen. Mm-hmm. Because if you do the same thing you did to get the dark spots, well, they're going to come right back. You know, and and it's almost like we're behind the eight ball no matter what. Once those dark spots form, you have to imagine the DNA has been damaged. And so even after performing large peels and different lasers and things like that, some of them are going to come back only because the DNA has been damaged. So the signal is going to reproduce and repeat to create those darkened areas. So let's say that you don't have little areas to spot treat and you have diffuse what we call dyschromia. That's just, you know, you have a ton of pigmentation, usually develops over time with sun damage and things like that. Then I think my favorite go-to is the fractionated CO2 laser. You know, in certain skin types, obviously, you know, in lighter to mid-pigmentation skin, I would choose to do a fractionated CO2 laser. It's not that you can't do it in darker skin types, but you can't be as aggressive with the laser. Now, 
make no uh, make no mistake, you're going to look like you're in a house fire for a week. But the issue is that when you come out on the other end, uh, that skin looks fresh and the pigmentation is generally reduced to the point where you have a nice, even skin tone. So all Absolutely. of my facelifts, you know, I do a fractionated CO2 laser just because it ends up giving that fresh, uh, healthy, uh, uniform skin. And what's even... What's even better is for everyone that has a fractionated CO2 laser treatment or any type of laser treatment, we always pre-treat. And what we pre-treat you with is something Mm -hmm. called Triluma. And to me, the pre-treatment, and Triluma is basically three different things put into a cream compounded. It's a steroid cream, it's a a hydroquinone, and a a retinoic acid. Um, And the interesting part about this is if you just use the cream, some people come back, they're like, wow, I look like a different person. <laughs> and it's interesting because, and again, we're going to get into melasma and some other type of hyperpigmentation issues. You can just use this Triluma cream, and for some people, you're done. You mm-hmm. don't need anything else. Now, mm-hmm. the cream is can get you red, you can get peeling, but what it does is, if you really think about it, it's kind of doing the same thing as a peel does, but it does it gradually over time. So you're putting three different compounded substances together. One that's reducing the pigment, one that's causing what's called cellular turnover. So the cells of the, of the, of the most superficial part of your skin are going to slough off. And then the last thing is a steroid so you don't get too red and too inflamed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's our go-to. Uh, I like to give it to almost every single person because I think it's that good. And it's a great way to you know pre-treat, but it's also a way to just treat for a lot of people. Definitely. We hope you're enjoying this episode. If you'd like more information about our practice, you can check out our Instagram. It's PlasticsDocs, P-L-A-S-T-I-X-D-O-C-S on Instagram for more information. Dr. Daniel Poor and I will be back after a quick break. You know, and I think as far as treatment options, we're, we're going to lump the next category right into the same uh, the same treatment options, and that's hyperpigmentation, post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation, usually from scarring, uh, sometimes from previous surgeries and things like that, where the scars look a little darker. We're going to use some of the same treatments. We would use the Pico Four laser. We would use some. You know, we obviously start with the topical first. If that doesn't work, then we move to the CO two laser. Very important what he just said. Very important what we just said. And and keep this in mind. If you're getting treatment for hyperpigmentation, always start with topical first. Mm -hmm. Don't go straight to a laser because that's when you can actually get more post. Um, inflammatory hyperpigmentation. Mm-hmm. So always use the, the the topical treatments first because they get you ready. And if it doesn't get you to your endpoint, then you can have laser. You know, another thing that you just made me think of is, uh, you know, we've had several patients that, you know, had lasers elsewhere or peels elsewhere and they come back and say, I have worsening pigmentation. Mm-hmm. And then when I ask them, were they pre-treated with anything? And they say, no. It's amazing to me that other Physicians are not using something to prep the skin because it's so important. You have to imagine damage, heat, uh, you know, trauma, anything like that creates inflammation and inflammation leads to pigmentation. So the idea is to prepare the skin first. Doesn't matter, you know, how bright your skin is, you know, um, 
uh, for people who are even redheads and, and blue eyes, I say you at least treat them for a week. And as your skin gets darker, add a week to that regimen because by the time you have your procedure done, your skin is ready and, uh, and you won't have as big of an inflammatory response. Yeah, and, and, and most people tolerate this cream really well. If, you know, I, you know, our practice, we prefer Triluma. Some practices, they just give them hydroquinone. Mm-hmm. Um, I prefer the, the triple tr- therapy because it has the other things that make it a lot more um, kind of tolerable by everyone and it does a lot more. Yeah, the retinol you know, increases cellular turnover so you can at least clear out some of those old dusty cells. And then the steroid kind of reduces the redness from the uh, retinol. And so it, it definitely helps. This last category, which obviously I think is, uh, you know, is sometimes the bane of our existence, but um, melasma is such a difficult problem to treat. And, you know, when we think about melasma, everybody says, all right, these are brown, sometimes grayish blue. These are patches on the skin, usually forehead, cheeks, upper lip, which tends to be a real uh, problem for especially pregnant women. And it's you know, we used to think it was just hormones, which it's one of the the main things. But if you look at uh, melasma in general, I think that we have genetic component, obviously UV radiation. So you go out in the sun and suddenly it immediately turns dark, um, even despite certain treatments. And then we look at obviously hormonal changes, oral contraceptives, um, you know, but some medications can actually do uh, cause this as well. So anyone out there that's on anti-seizure medicines, uh, phototoxic drugs, sometimes, you know, even by taking doxycycline and going out in the sun, um, you know, these are all things that people don't realize can cause some of these issues. And melasma is hands down one of the most difficult things that we treat when it comes to pigmentation. And again, like, like I said earlier, Everyone is different. So you can have five different women sit in front of you and tell you about their melasma and when they got it, how they got it, and how they've been treated, and nothing has worked. Mm -hmm. Now, it's most commonly known as the mask of pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Now, it doesn't mean that you only get this as a pregnant woman. Most commonly seen between the ages of 20 and 40 and mostly in women, rarely seen in men. You know, the majority of people are women. What we have noticed is, like Dr. Lakey just said, is it's due to sun exposure, but it's also due to just heat. Meaning, let's say you're in a very warm climate, you're not in the sun, you've got a hat on, but you still get a flare up. It's because of the heat. Now, a lot of people don't know the mechanism behind that, but it does flare it up a little bit. Um, what can we do to fix it? Oh, there's also one last thing is thyroid disorders. Mm-hmm. Thyroid disorders can actually flare up a, a melasma. And that's when you need to go see your, your endocrinologist, make sure your, your, your endocrine levels and your thyroid hormones, everything else is okay before mm-hmm. you start getting yourself treated. Then, And then when you treat, it's really, again, I wanna go back to start with the simplest treatment first. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be sunscreen at all times, wear a hat with a wide brim, stay out of the heat if you can, really hard for some people in some areas, and then start out with using this Triluma. If you don't have Triluma, go just a 4% hydroquinone. Mm-hmm. This should be able to really reduce the pigmentation. 
If it doesn't, then we're going to talk about multiple different other types of treatment. But no matter what, treat with Triluma or hydroquinone prior to doing more intense treatments. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, everyone who has pigmentation, always vitamin C should be a, a part of your regimen. And again, you know, just an example, we have a dark spot corrector, but uh, it doesn't mean you have to use our brand. It just means you need a vitamin C serum mm-hmm. that is going to help brighten the skin. And so, you know, uh, another very common treatment is azelaic acid. It's usually mixed with a, you know, tretinoin or retinoic acid. And so the combination of, you know, we keep giving you the same concepts. It's a, 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 an agent that reduces the ability to cause pigmentation, but it also, the retinoic acid, causes increased cellular turnover. So the idea is we can, we can go through those pigmented cells much quicker and try to get to healthier cells underneath. So those are the, definitely the topical options. And then if we want something that's a little more intense, I don't know what your favorite is, but I think our first go-to is going to be the Cosmolan peel. Yes, absolutely. And I have no uh, interest or, or, or financial interest in Cosmolan, but for us, we've tried multiple different options and different peels, and I just think that it's one of the easiest that you know can be applied both uh, in an office uh, by a nurse or an esthetician, and you go home with a regimen, and it's one of the easiest things to follow. And it's usually five days of downtime. You know, you are red and swollen, and then you peel a little bit. Um, you know, it's really two to three days of real downtime, and then after that, you, your skin just looks a little dry. But you know, we've had such a great success rate, maybe 75% success rate with reducing pigmentation as a whole, even melasma that I still think that it's one of the best things. And the great part about Cosmoland is you can use it on any skin type from, you know, from very fair skin all the way to black skin. And so it really reduces the post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation, and that's why I think it's a, a great selective peel. And he's right. I mean, the patients that we've used, we've, we always sell out. We literally, all the Cosmoland mm-hmm. we always have, we mm-hmm. sell out, um, and everyone's very happy. Um, we have beautiful before and after, so we know it works. And in, in, in our field of work, we can easily show you a before and after and say, hey, look, it works. The proof's in the pudding. The problem with it is, even with Cosmoland, if you don't have sunscreen, stay out of the sun, it will come back. And sometimes it's also hormonally mediated. You get pregnant again, it might come back. Your, your, your progesterone and estrogen levels will change and it will come back. And that's the interesting part is you don't see as much melasma in a postmenopausal woman but you do premenopausal because there's different there's a different degree of of, of progesterone and estrogen. You With know, that, uh, go ahead. Oh no, I was just <clears throat> going to say, you know, I, I, we're going to introduce a concept to you. I think um, we're now we're giving away our secrets for the really uh, resistant uh, melasma. And we're using the concept because what we've heard over and over, and we're working on regenerative medicine and stem cell therapy, and that's a discussion for another podcast. But what we noticed is for people who have had stem cells injected into the skin, that the dark spots didn't come back. So we're trying to use, obviously in the US, uh, we'll only be able to do that under an IRB or an investigative protocol, but um, we're trying to use that philosophy. So we have a combination uh, therapy that we use for resistant uh, melasma. 
All right, so take your notes. Maybe not every surgeon does this, but we're about to give away some secrets. Mm. And really, this is going to be an intensive type of treatment. We use what's called the Pico 4 laser, where we uh, use certain settings that will reduce pigmentation, multiple different passes using our 1064 nanometer uh, wavelength. And two weeks later, what we'll do is we will actually have you come back and do microneedling with platelet-rich plasma. Now, PRP, uh, as you may have heard, that was for the vampire facial and everything else, contains multiple growth factors uh, that can actually serve as uh, an effective agent to reduce pigmentation. So now imagine we are alternating every two weeks the laser with microneedling. Not only does it improve the quality of the skin, but we've noticed a dramatic reduction in uh, in melasma, especially that's been resistant to any other peel. I yeah, I mean, and, I, and I agree, and we're doing it for a lot of people, and people are very, very, very happy. Again, it's one of the hardest things to treat, and it's one of those things that you go through this regimen of what Dr. Lakey said. Every two weeks, you come in, you do it, and your melasma's gone for like a year and a half, maybe longer, and then you come back, you're like, damn it, it's back. <laughs> but that's something that I want to set you up for. It's one of those things that may never go away forever. So if you have to treat it once every year and a half, two years, it's okay. I mean, think about it. You get Botox every three months. So if you've got dark spots that are, that are really bad and they're, I mean, like what he said earlier, people have such bad dark spots on their upper lip that it, they come in, they say, it looks like I have a mustache. I can't get rid of it. Mm -hmm. And it's really tough. Now, camouflaging it with makeup is always, always an option. So people can always do that, but it's never going to make it go away completely in the sense that once that makeup comes off, once you jump, you know, jump in a pool or or you're intimate with someone, you don't have makeup on and someone's going to see it. So I know a lot of people want it gone. There's one other treatment that just came out. And I haven't tried this, but it is in the literature and it's called transexemic acid. It really is there to decrease inflammation. And that's what it's really there for. Now, there are some studies that show that you can use oral transexamic acid for hydroquinone, and it shows some good promising results. Um, Once we try it, I will let you know um, and take it from there. But as of right now, it's another option to use in our armamentarium to basically try to get rid of melasma. But just, you know, some take-home points that are as important as anything else is remember, a lot of this is genetic. It happens mostly in women. It is really difficult to treat. Always go simple first. Always, always. Cream, cream, cream. Because all the studies show by using hydroquinone or the Triluma, Triluma is better than hydroquinone, you're going to get better results. If those don't work, then go to a really good trained board certified dermatologist or, or plastic surgeon to get either peels, Cosmoland peel, or any other type of peel and or then do what we like to do, which is microneedling on and off with the Pico laser. Yeah, you listen, if you can't get to us here in Beverly Hills, you can tell your uh, doctor or surgeon that, and uh, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be happy to talk to them as well. Again, it's, it's really, it's a very frustrating thing, especially because if you're a young woman that has this, um, you look like you've got blotchy patches on your cheeks or on your forehead or around your lip, and it really just, you know, it's a, it's a really good way to ruin your day. So I would really start simple um, and go from there. All right. 
Well, listen, hopefully you guys have learned something here today. Uh, you know, this is such a difficult problem, but it's so common. And the one thing that you don't realize is just by eliminating pigmentation, believe it or not, you will look years younger. So if there's any, uh, you know, uh, hope of taking years off, I would start with pigmentation first. And doing some of these things, such as microneedling and PRP with the laser, not only improves the quality of your skin, uh, you know, so the, it's really a, a double whammy. You, you essentially just, uh, you know, uh, have taken years off by doing some of these treatments. So thank you so much for staying with us. We really appreciate all of the support. Uh, you know, again, this is, um, you know, Forever Young, and I'm Dr. John Lakey. I'm Dr. Payman Daniel Poor. You can listen to us on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Peace. From iHeartRadio, Forever Young is a Cavalry Audio Golden Hippo production. We are produced by Brandon Morgan. Josh Windish does our editing and mixing. Payment and I serve as executive producers along with Dana Brunetti and Keegan Rosenberger. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.